Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. I have a returning guest with me, John Spencer. He is the CFO, COO, and principal at Solutions Yes. He's been with us before on a topic of managing HR as a CFO, and today we're going to talk about all the growth that they've seen in the last few years, and so I invited John back. John, uh, it's good to have you back. Brandon, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I want to first kind of pick your brain. When you first built the business plan, you got together with your partners, you opened the doors, what was the strategy like for hiring and meeting the demands or lack of demands of the service? Because at some point, when people have awareness for what you're doing out in the marketplace, and I'm sure that's what you're doing the, the, in the first few months, it's really trying to create that demand for your and get awareness out there. How do you hire to when there's no demand? And what was kind of that process? Well, I think when we first opened up, it was really critical that we knew we were going to be uh, consider ourselves a service organization as opposed to most of our competitors consider themselves sales organizations. So going out and, and grabbing service technicians was really critical. And the beauty we have for our opportunity when we opened up was, uh, even to this day, 90% of our employees came from a previous company that they all worked together at. So we had a pool of talent right down the street to pull from. And it was easy just to go back and say, hey, you guys, we're starting something new and fresh. We're really going to be service-oriented. You want to come, you know, join us. And so... That was really easy to get them excited about that and to have them come and be a part of something that was new, but the focus was something that they were very interested in. And so really, when we had our first 10 employees in the first 60 to 90 days, four of them were in sales, five were in service, and I was there to kind of do all the business side of the business. And so it's kind of interesting because it sounded like you started with the foundation of people who were already seeing the vision for, for where you wanted to go. But at some point, you grow to where you got to hire in some new people that maybe weren't part of that original group uh, from either other companies or different experiences or whatnot. So when, when you start hiring people, you start growing. What does that what does that whole process feel like when you when you bring in new people into the organization and it can change the culture a little bit? No, that's a great question, and uh, we decided very early on that. As a new company, we could create a culture just the way we wanted it to be. And so we knew from the start we were going to be fiercely protective of that culture. Matter of fact, we, when we hire people, we think of two scales. One is a culture scale and one is a productivity scale. And ideally, we're looking for people that are A-pluses on both. But ultimately, the culture scale is more critical. And we feel like if someone's off the charts on the culture scale and maybe productivity, they're not up to speed, we can get them there. But if they're a super performer, but kind of a bad apple, that's going to mess up the whole thing. So we really look for the culture scale first and the productivity scale second. And the beauty, again, of people coming from the other company was 
Uh, it was bought out by a national or multinational company, and their culture changed from being local, service-oriented, very family-oriented, to now being just an international seller of product. And so the people that were still there were yearning to get back into an environment that they had helped develop and loved being in. And so it was easy for us to kind of recreate that environment that they came from, and that was then very attractive for them to come on over and say, wow, I can get back and, and do the things I wanted to do before. I can't do now in the current environment, but you guys are recreating that. So it's really exciting to be able to come back along and get into that environment where I'm really comfortable and I know we can all do a great job serving our customers. It's interesting because the the type of people that you're looking for, you sort of have that defined. So where do you find that in the process? Is it the interviewing process? Is it in the recruiting process where you're, that how you're writing a job description? How I mean, how are you finding, or how how are people finding you, or and vice versa? How are you how are you finding them, and and kind of teasing out those things where they actually would be the culture fit that you're looking for in that local service orientated um, model? Well, you know, most companies struggle to get quality people, and what are they going to put together for their programs to attract and retain that top talent? And, you know, I was really one of the few people in the company, even today, who was not a 20-year industry veteran. You know, my background as a CPA and kind of coming up on the business side is what brought me in to help run the business side of the business. But again, the luxury of having the old company, uh, which most new companies starting up don't have that luxury, and they had like 200 employees at some point. Wow. And so... We basically said, and we kind of used a phrase, let's get the best of the best. <laughs> and so we kind of went back you and kind of, we, we kind of cherry picked <laughs> the best people from there, particularly on the service side, because they had done such an excellent job of creating great customer service. And remember, I was a customer of theirs for about 10 years. I had that wonderful experience and wanted to be in a company that would provide the same high level of customer service. And so again, we could cherry pick the best people, bring them in, help them see the vision. And for them, uh, as you can imagine, it wasn't so much about salary or comp or bennies as, yeah, I know you guys will take good care of me. Uh, we've been trusted coworkers for years. Um, it's a new company, so that'll grow over time. But you'll pay competitive wages at the start. You'll build the benefits program over time as you can. But it's most important to me to be in that environment where I'm being taken care of, I'm happy, I understand the vision, and then we can all take that and impart it on providing great customer service to a customer base that really on day one was zero and had to grow from scratch. So they were really excited as well about being part of starting something from scratch and building something over time that they could themselves be proud of. For people listening who maybe didn't listen to that first conversation that we had about you building up that HR infrastructure, maybe give a quick um, synopsis of what, what you guys do at Solutions Yes. And that might give some context behind, because I want to ask you some questions about your growth. Okay. And maybe just give some context of like what you guys do, what you, you said you're a service organization versus like some of your competitors don't do that. So maybe talk about that a little Perfect. Bit. Well, we are uh, an independent dealer of office equipment. So copiers, printers, scanners, software that helps people go paperless, toner supplies for printers, even paper today. And this grew out of uh, the former company that we've been talking about was called Associated Business Systems. It was around for about 12 years until they sold to Rico, the big national manufacturer. 
And so several of the people that started that company wanted to get back to a local company that was very service-oriented. And so we basically started from scratch, solutions, yes. The idea being customers are looking for solutions today. If we had that in our name, that would be a focus for us. And if we said yes, our incentive all the time was to try to find the right solution for those customers. So again, most of our employees worked for associated business systems. Uh, we picked from the best of the crop over there, started our company in June of 2011, and go up every day against more well-known competitors like Rico, like Copiers Northwest, uh, Copytronics, or certainly Pacific Office Automation. So that's kind of the the sandbox that we play in. And uh, we started kind of in the middle of a recession against some of these more <laughs> yes, well-established yeah. uh, competitors. And again, the differentiator for us today is Everybody talks service, but who really provides it? And so we think that most of our competitors are really truly sales organizations, and we want to come at the marketplace with a much more defined service orientation and differentiate ourselves from our competitors in that way. When you kind of look at the look back when you started the business, and uh, I'm sure family, friends, they're probably looking at you like you're crazy, like starting a business in the middle of the recession. Yep. But in hindsight, you guys have experienced a ton of growth. I wrote some stats down here. So you made the Portland Business Journal's list for fastest growing private companies. 2013, you were number four overall, and there's there's no category breakdown. So you were number four fastest growing private company in Oregon. Correct. And then 2014, number 26. And it gets harder as as you mature. And also, you made the list for the Oregon 100 best companies to work for. So you're obviously, you have, you're treating your employees right, and they, they love working for you. So you made the list twice there, too. So 2013, number 20, 2014, number 18. Correct. Talk about that growth. You started in the middle of the recession, building a business from scratch. Granted, you had some employees come over from a previous business. They were already sort of acclimated to, to the model. Uh, Correct. But what's the what's what's been the growth? Why why has it happened? Well, you know, ultimately, I think the bottom line is Portland is a small market. At the end of the day, the Portland Vancouver metro area. Although we go all the way to the coast, we have employees in Bend serving several companies over there. We go as north as far north as Seattle. We go down as far south as Eugene and Roseburg. But the marketplace here is one that values being taken care of and not being a number in a big fishbowl. And so being smaller and more nimble gives us the flexibility to give those customers what they're looking for. And as you can imagine, when you start a business from scratch, there's really no new companies starting up that say, gosh, I need a printer. Gosh, I need a copier. Our really only option was to go after an existing customer base, Absolutely. which was being served by you know, a Rico or a Pacific Office Automation. And if those companies are doing a great job taking care of their customers, we're not going to be able to get a conversation with them. But as you can imagine, and here we are starting year five and we have well over a thousand customers, all of whom came from the competition. Wow. Um, we were able to get a conversation with organizations, churches, nonprofits, school districts, commercial companies, um, you name it. And the reason that they're willing to talk to us is because they're not having a good service experience. They're experiencing some pain. And when they're ex experiencing pain, they're willing to talk to somebody who's new because they kind of say, well, perhaps it can't get any worse than what I have now. I'll give you guys a shot. So early on, we had to have some early adopters, of course. We had to have some people step out in faith because, gosh, a lot of people said, you may not be here tomorrow. 
And so we really appreciate those people who took those early steps. And we said, well, prove it to them from the start that they made a good choice. So the fact that our competitors, in many respects, were not doing a good job taking care of their customers, you know, kind of opened up the field for us to go in and say, we think we can do it different. We think we can do it better. And clearly it's resonating in the marketplace because, again, with just, we're up to, 36 employees now starting year five, but two years ago we only had 12. And so it just took a while to really get started. We had past relationships we could tap into, but we also had non-solicitation and non-compete agreements that we had to work with and treat those properly. So for us, everything was a brand new conversation. Everything was, we're new, you don't really know who we are, what we can do, but give us an opportunity to show how we can do it better and different. And clearly, it's worked, and, and the growth has just exploded for us. That's exciting. But with growth comes a lot of <clears throat> headaches, I'm sure. There's a lot of things probably on your mind, uh, especially as a COO, CF, <laughs> all those things. I'm curious. You know, this is an HR and leadership podcast, so we're going to talk about HR definitely. But, you know, things on your mind are probably operational things, you know, building efficiencies, all those things. I'm sure you're thinking about those. I'm curious from a people perspective because – you're a service organization, so it's got to be really about people that you're hiring right. that, that fit the mold. Right. So as you've grown, how are you really defining who you want and what sort of things are you doing through the HR process to really find those people? Well, again, um, finding Zenium early on when we were starting the company has just been a wonderful thing. If you heard the first podcast, you talked about kind of the dilemma that I was in and why I chose to kind of outsource all HR from a CPA or from a CFO standpoint. And really, you know, Zenium's been a great partner for us for all these years. And they've done a lot of the things that in an HR standpoint and to be in a position to attract that top talent that I didn't really know how to do very well or didn't really want to do. And so when it's come to you know, helping build the benefits package or taking care of a lot of the policies or even at the beginning helping us create and, and uh, pass out our handbook. These are all really positive things. And so um, that partnership has really helped us bolster kind of the position where we are today. But I think it gets kind of, again, back to the culture scale, which is we know the kind of people that are going to fit in our organization. Uh, I'd like to say we've been perfect at that, but we haven't. We've brought some people in that ultimately concluded they didn't meet the culture scale the way we wanted them to after all, and we've had to that's okay. get rid that's of a them. Good, that's a good, a good uh, thing. healthy turnover. It though. is, and yet and the people that are there that really fit the culture mode, um, they don't want to see the bad apple stay Absolutely. around and create because a problem. it could taint the culture. It could taint the yeah. culture. So we've had to get rid of some apples here and there, but for the most part, We've taken kind of a slow-to-hire, quick-to-fire mentality, which takes us a whole long time to really it's vet easy, people easier out. Easier said than done. Easier also. said than done. Uh, really vet people out, make sure we really believe that they're going to be a good fit. And frankly, even on the quick-to-fire side, we probably take longer than we should because we feel we know these people, we've worked with these people in the past, we want to give them every opportunity to be successful and yet at some point, you still get to the point where it's just not going to work and you have to face facts. And so we've done that here and there. But again, for the most part, we had the people that work in the industry, that were former coworkers, that are familiar with a, an organization that provided great customer service. So they really fit the culture so well before. And kind of that cherry-picking concept allowed us to go back. Believe me, there were some people at the other company 
really that never made the list. And we probably still have a couple of dozen people on the list that if we get big enough overtime, they're still kind of saying, pick me, pick me. Now, they've probably landed someplace else in the meantime, of course, because Rico, two years ago, decided to do some consolidation in other parts of the country and put about 80 to 100 people on the street here in Portland. Hmm. And a lot of those people are going, I love that company. I love the industry. I love the people. Do you have a spot for me? And so we still have a deep bench to work with in terms of people that we know will fit the culture scale and very likely do very well on the productivity scale, again, because we've worked with them and we know who they are. We know what makes them tick. Now, at some point, clearly, we're going to have to, the pool is going to run out. We're going to have to then open up the doors and say, how are we going to find these people? And that's what we need to kind of work on over the next couple of years is to make sure we're in a good position working with our HR people here at Zenium to help us make sure that when that time comes, we're in the best position to go out and recruit great talent and have them come to us, even if they don't know who we are or didn't work with us before. And in terms of growth of the revenue and the headcount, there's definitely changes that happen in the kind of life cycle of the business. What, what sort of things have changed that you've noticed, or hopefully they haven't kept you up at night, but I'm sure they have. Uh, well, they what, do. What are those things? Yes. Well, again, you know, when we started, um, it was everything was new and nobody knew who we were and every conversation was so it's marketing hard the sales that were the hard the hard yeah you know everybody <laughs> we kind of said everybody in a small organization wears a sales hat so Absolutely. even so though i'm here for the business side you know i introduced lots of relationships and people that i'd worked with in the past to our sales side to look for opportunities but you know even in the first 2 years brandon we were still struggling I mean, we started with about 10 employees about 60 or 90 days into the origin of the company. And two years later, we were still at 12. Hmm. And so it was a constant battle to where's the next opportunity going to come from. And for us, another phrase that we use around the company all the time is failure is not an option. So we knew we weren't going to fold like a lot of startup companies do, but we were just waiting for that traction. Where's that, you know, that kick in the rear that's going to pop us to the next level? And it just happened about two years ago, September of 2013, and all of a sudden, it's just like somebody hit the gas, and in about between September and December of that year, we had to hire about six or seven people. Wow. And talking about keeping me up at night, watching the payroll go up by a big chunk like that, and thinking, how am I going to cover this yeah, all, all the time? Yeah, all the costs are rising. The costs are rising. But, you know, we knew we were doing the right thing. We have a tendency to hire in advance of the need as opposed to create the need and then go try to find the bodies. And again, as a service organization, you want to be able to respond to your customers sooner rather than later. So we're hiring maybe at a little quicker pace than other companies might, but for all the right reasons and the little bit of indigestion that comes with that. But it just began this traction and this kind of explosion. And really, again, two years ago, in September 13, we had 12 people. We just hired number 36. Wow. So it really kicked phenomenal. in. It's been almost about a person a month over the last two years. And our revenue has tripled in the same amount of same time period as our revenues have tripled. So yeah, it's, uh, it's great stuff. Any listeners who are thinking like, oh, I'm in a software company, like the 36 is probably not big for them. But for a service company, that could be scary because you know, we've experienced that as any. Like when I first started about seven years ago, we had 25, 29 employees, something like that. And we're almost at seven, we're about 70 now. Wow. So doubled in, over doubled in size. But 
I wanted to ask you this question. You alluded to it a, a second ago, but I want you to say it again. So when you're in the growth mode of you're selling, right, you're selling, do you hire people after you've made the sale to sustain that business or do you hire in advance, slightly in advance in a like sort of like forecasting, like oh, I know we're going to get here in sales, so we're going to we're going to hire in conjunction with what we think we're going to do. And it's, mm-hmm. it's always a moving target. It's not it a perfect science at no, all. No, I know. And companies struggle with that all the time. And what we t- we, we've typically done at Zenium is we, I mean, our sales have been crazy. So we've typically hired a little, maybe a little too late, but we're trying to get ahead of it at times. But it's so hard. What have you done? It is hard. And again, I think for the most part, we kind of break it down. We kind of do it a little bit differently from the service side versus the sales side. Mm. On our service side, um, you know, it used to be some years ago that uh, a piece of office equipment breaks down. You'd place a service call and you'd like to get somebody there in about four hours to get it back up, to get your business back up. Over the last couple of years, that has kind of slid to, well, if I can get there in a couple of days, that's about the best I can do. And the marketplace has kind of settled into a couple of day response time is the norm. And so we kind of came back in and said, that's not the norm. That's crazy. We're mm-hmm. going to go back to the way it used to be. And so here we are, even starting year five, our response time is three and a half hours. That's amazing. So, you know, this is blowing people away in terms of how, but, but you only can do that if you have more service people to be able to respond quicker. So on the service side, we have a tendency to kind of hire in advance of the need to make sure that we can have that great response time for our customers. On the sales side, um, a, a mature company in our industry has really two types of salespeople. They have hunters or people who will go out and scratch up brand new business, or they have kind of what I would call an order taker, which is they basically work an existing base of business. Uh, and again, in our business, most people lease their equipment. And so when the lease comes up and you're doing a good job, you go right back to them. It's very likely they're going to turn around and lease from you again. And so to kind of re-up that existing customer is a very easy turn. And so, um, it's, it's great. There's some talented people out there who are very good at establishing and, and just kind of turning over and keeping a base happy. And so that's a sales group where you could get the business and then bring someone in to handle that business. With a startup like we were, everything is new. Matter of fact, today, still, we barely begun to be able to turn over our existing customers. So everything is still new. So we really need hunters. People where's, have to go out and scratch that, up the business. Where's marketing uh, department? Well, I know. Maybe we need to tap into Zenium a little bit more, but... Um, uh, so, and it's, it's scratch and claw every day, you know, when you're new. And so for us on the, on the sales side, we really need to bring in people again who fit the culture, but who have that hunter mentality, who are able to go out, meet new customers, create opportunities, um, you know, put business together. And eventually we'll get to the point where, you know, maybe they can work on, you know, kind of their book of business as well. And so on the sales side, we have a tendency to kind of hire on the, a little bit, on the backside to make sure that we all of our territories are covered. But on the service side, we have a tendency to hire a little bit up front, maybe a little too quickly to make sure that we have the level of customer service that we can provide. You alluded to the fact that your industry has a lot of big players. There's there's big big companies that you're going against and their turnaround times are a lot less. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. But... You know, they have, they have established book of business so they could probably pay people a little bit more when they're recruiting. Correct. 
What has been sort of your compensation <laughs> philosophy or creativeness in, in terms of building out a kind of a benefits or compensate, total compensation package to entice people to come work for you instead of a big player? I mean, that's a, you gotta, if you gotta find talent, there's gotta be a, a unique way to go about it. No, and again, a great question. And, um, you know, we can't pay what the big companies can pay, obviously. Uh, they have, Deep pockets. You they could, have, but your margins probably lost. Well, we do, but you know, they can even go back to the manufacturer sometimes oh, and create some extra incentives to say, hey, if I brought in this super producer, you know, can you throw some extra money my way to help, you know, pay for these uh, big producers? Because in the long run, you're going to sell a lot more equipment. So they have those relationships with the manufacturers where maybe they can, you know, generate a little bit more cash for that. So we pay certainly a competitive wage. Uh, I think a lot of people, again, they come to work for us because they don't want to work for a big company where they're just a number in a machine, like a lot of the customers feel the same way. Um, they might make more money, but they're not happy. They don't like the culture. Um, some of the cultures of some of our competitors, uh, as have been described to me from people that know, are just very inconsistent with ours, not family-oriented, not let's work hard but have fun. It's It's really very different. And so... I think they come for a culture and an opportunity to help put a company on the map, help a company grow. We'd like to provide opportunities for those people because at some point, you know, unlike associated business systems where most of the people came from, their goal when they started the company was to grow it fast and sell it. Hmm. And ours is the opposite. Ours is to kind of grow at a decent pace and have something that like kind that. of perpetuates. I like that. Which means ultimately at some point we're going to have to have a new level of leadership come up through the ranks and have opportunities to run departments or be an owner or something like that. So some of these people are willing to come on today um, looking for an opportunity to grow and help put a company on the map and know that if they work hard, we'll find ways to compensate them adequately. But um, the money is not the most important thing for them today. On the benefits side, this is something that I've been working on kind of with the hats I've worn for the last 25 years. And so we understand how critical it is to, you know, provide for our employees as best as we can and to have a, a full comprehensive package. So our first year, we knew that medical insurance was the most important. So we went out and got that and again, worked with Zenium to get that. And then we've just built on that over time. So after that, we set up a 401k plan. After that, we went back and added vision and dental. Um, we've had a Section 125 plan from the start. Um, our next thing that we're going to do is um, add life insurance and long-term disability. So we recognize what those things are relative to a good compensation package. And we are just honest with our employees that we're a new company. We're kind of getting our feet underneath us. We have every intention of growing and having a more comprehensive package over time. Um, you know, work with us on this, help us to grow the company, and, and, and as we grow, then the benefits can come to everybody. And so people have a great buy-in on that. They understand that we're taking care of kind of the core things that they need to have. Their basic needs are being Their basic that's, needs, that's and we're going to supplement those again with other things that they may have had at other companies. I mean, a lot of companies, life and long-term disability are kind of givens, so we're getting there. Um, but we're going to continue to just look for ways to keep ourselves focused as what we believe to be a very employee-centric organization, take care of our people, um, compensate them appropriately, provide a great benefits package. And when they're happy, like working with their coworkers, feel really good about the environment and what's going on, 
then they're going to be able to take great care of our customers, and that's what's most important to us. So take care of our employees, take care of our customers, and good things will happen. When you look at the the time, the scale of day one to where you sit today, what are some of the biggest aha moments that you've had in, in sort of running the business? Well, a couple come to mind, I guess. Um, you know, the kind of the stark reality that the day we opened the doors, there was two of us with nothing to sell, no employees, no customers, and probably both wives going, what are we doing? I mean, but at the same time, it was so exciting, and we funded the operation from day one with our own capital, so we had our own skin in the game, so it was kind of push hard and, and work hard all the time. The first time, our first huge load of equipment that we bought was delivered on a truck and, and, and loaded into our warehouse. That was very exciting. I mean, you know, we spent 150000 bucks, you know, six weeks into the business. And uh, here comes all this equipment that we can sell now. We're still looking for customers. And so that was kind of a, a big deal. Uh, a couple of months later, we had a big open house. We thought, let's just kind of open up and see, you know, what the marketplace can do for us and what we can do for them. And we just invited a bunch of people. We didn't know what was going to happen. And we probably had 150 people show up to this thing over like a four-hour kind of open house. and just blew us away. Great event. But I think the biggest one, I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier, was we're kind of struggling. We're, we're working hard. We feel like we're going to make it, but we're just not getting any traction. And all of a sudden, one day, it just pops about two years ago. And again, you know, in the first... Two years, we got to a certain level, 12 employees, and in the last two years, we've gone to 36, and our revenue has tripled, and so far this year, we're up like 30% over last year yet. And so it was just, you know, something clicked. We knew what we were doing was right, and it just took off, and it had to do with new customers willing to come on board, and we started to see happy customers referring us to people that they knew. We started to see networking opportunities that we've invested in begin to, to bear fruit, and ever since then, it's just really taken off. And so I think, you know, those are kind of some of the aha moments that come mm-hmm. to mind. But that one from two years ago was it really kind of validated, you know, we think we can make this. We're getting from thriving to surviving. We're actually going to be a force to be reckoned with in the marketplace, even though we're kind of small and growing. And um, it's just a big kickstart to, okay, let's just take off and make this thing just really sing. And that's kind of what's happened ever since. I love hearing that because you say it like one day it just like it popped and it just exploded. Yeah. But I, I, I listen to you and I'm like, that's a culmination and a result of every, all the little decisions you made along the way. You're right. And it's, it's actually proof that what you were doing before was right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, yeah. That's exciting yeah. because then now it actually puts you on that path of the growth that you want. So with that, the next couple of years, you, you said slow growth is kind of your your anticipated target. You know, how many employees do you want? You can talk about revenue if you want. Like, what <clears throat> do you want to go to a different building? You know, what sort of things are you thinking about? Yeah, no, and we, you know, it's hard to think um, forward a lot when we've been working so hard, keeping our heads down, getting mm-hmm. to where we are today, but. We're to the point now where it's time to do this. And so we've, we've had some thoughts about that. So we're kind of beginning to think, you know, where are we going to be, you know, five years from now? And so we think our revenues will probably be at least double where they are today. Uh, we think our employee count will probably be a double as well mm-hmm. because revenues and employee count in our industry kind of go hand in hand. So as revenues double, employee count will probably double to, you know, 75 or 80 people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
we believe that, you know, an opportunity for us as the owners is to kind of invest in our own building and then lease it back to the company. So a lot of companies do this. There's great, great tax idea. advantages no, for I doing that. Yep. And so our current lease runs for another two and a half years, but we'll begin the process here shortly of exploring the marketplace and seeing if we could actually pull something like this off, uh, really, you know, in year five and in year six, looking ahead to where we might be about year eight. So what size will the company be at that time? What's the appropriate size facility? Where should it be located? Um, and these are some of the things that you have to begin to think about. You know, Zenium's obviously been there. Now you're about 15 years old. You've kind of gone through some of those things back in the day. But uh, we are beginning to look at that. And so all along the way, though, it has to be, it's not forced growth. A lot of it is organic growth. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, again, being able to start to kind of serve our customers again on a second lease and third lease option. It's um, two years ago, school districts wouldn't even talk to us because we hadn't been around long enough. And today, we serve uh, about 15 of the top 100 districts in the state <laughs> and other opportunities are just lining up. So it'll be a, a time before we can probably approach the Beavertons and the Portland school districts, as it were. There. But we're We've hit several others, and so, you know, they talk to each other. And so as you do a good job for a Lake Oswego school district or for an Albany, Oregon school district, uh, which are some of the more sizable ones, um, they're going to talk to their neighbors and, and the people they see at conventions and seminars. And, and when that question comes up, they're going to go, you need to talk to these guys. We work with these guys for a couple of years now. They do a fantastic job. And so those types of things will help that growth over time. And so we'll continue to work hard. We'll bring on more salespeople. We'll continue to look for new opportunities all the time. We might have to consider what geographic expansion that might call for. But at the end of the day, kind of we want to be kind of a Portland-based hub, you know, kind of spread our tentacles out from that direction, um, just have great employees who believe in what we're trying to do, um, take care of them as best as we can with programs and packages, and continue to do the things we've done so far. We, we think that success breeds success. Uh, we've had some validation that so far what we're doing is working. So it's kind of like, if it's working, keep doing it. And, but keep looking for ways to, you know, provide better opportunities for our employees and for our customers. And one of the things we're really picking up on that now is this concept of software that's out in the industry that works with the hardware but that helps organizations kind of create efficiencies in their paper flow and or their record keeping and or I want to be a paperless environment. <laughs> and so a lot of the competitors are still very hardware focused on what they're doing. And we're trying to come in with more of a uh, let us explore how your environment works. Let mm. us see your processes. Let us see if we can find software solutions that might help with those processes or enhance them or create them for you if you don't have them already and kind of bring that approach. And very likely that approach requires certain hardware to make them work. But we're trying to come in solution-based first, backfill with hardware, and be a partner to our customers, not just a vendor, as opposed to come in once in a while, sell a piece of equipment, not really sure I care about how well your organization is operating or how can I help you help it operate better. And then I'll be back in a couple of years when the lease is up and we'll just do it again. Again, more differentiators, but these are the things we're looking for maybe five years out in terms of, you know, we're going to be more of a player than we are today 
and we think our message and the way we operate will continue to resonate with the marketplace, and that will just continue to help us do what we do for more and more people. Got one more question for you before we wrap up. Okay. If you are, <clears throat> if you have the ability to talk to yourself five years ago, or even talk to somebody in your same position five years ago, what would you? What kind of advice would you give them about starting up and growing a business? And that's kind of a hard question. Maybe no. you wouldn't even <clears throat> say anything because maybe you would be afraid that things wouldn't be the same. You no, know, no, that's very fair. I think you know. I try to spend most of my time looking forward, but Absolutely. you can't help but look back because yeah. the things you did in the past help where you are today. And I'm more saying this because for <clears throat> for folks listening, they may be in a position where they're helping grow a company, and this this advice could be be helpful. Happy to happy to share. I think. Uh, for me, I always had a bit of an entrepreneurial side in me, and it was kind of like, how am I going to be able to express that at some point in my career? And it took me two-thirds into my career to finally find the right opportunity to kind of spread those wings a little bit. And it had to be the right one. And so I didn't want to just buy a company and buy a job. I wanted to to find myself in a situation where we could do great things for our employees, where we could build something that would last in, into perpetuity and something I could look back and be proud of. And so I guess the advice I would give is, uh, it's almost cliche, but you know, anybody can do anything. Uh, put your mind to it. Uh, you have to prepare. You have to, we were, did a lot of planning and a lot of preparation before we kind of, you know, jumped off the end of the board. Um, but again, all of that, there were still things that happened that we couldn't foresee coming. So be as prepared as you can be. Uh, be willing to take a risk and be willing to stay up a little bit at night if you have to. And you have to have the mindset that uh, failure is not an option. <laughs> and you just keep at that and you just keep, I mean, we love to tell our story every day because people love to hear it. We're kind of an underdog story. And so people love to hear that and say, wow, look what you guys were. Look kind of the environment that you were started in, like mm-hmm. the recessionary situation. And then look what hard work and a passion for what you do has done. And so if you have a sense of, of wanting to start a business or grow a business, um, you got to be prepared to work hard. you got to be prepared to plan endlessly. But you have to be very flexible to move with things that happen along the way. It's not always going to be exactly as you thought it was going to be. And you just have to believe that it's going to work, that what you're bringing to the marketplace is valued, and that... At the end of the day, you're doing something that you feel good about and that you can be proud of and you can look at it yourself in the mirror and say, I'm doing this with honesty and integrity and that's what's really important to me. John, thanks for being part of the podcast. Um, we'll definitely put a link up to the website. Solutions Yes is the business and I think yeah, people can learn more about you there. So, uh, My pleasure, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, 
and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.